You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It is Friday, episode number 78. Unbelievable. We made it. We made it through to Friday. Can you believe it? I do believe it because we're here. Very much so. It was, I do it was believe close. it as well. Isn't, <laughs> this, isn't this isn't this crazy? Going live to earlier in the morning yes. now. Excited about the new format change. I really am. I am. I am too. I am too. It's it's a lot of fun, and hopefully, uh, it will speak to everyone. Yes, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us on all the platforms that you join us on. This is episode seventy eight. Wow. And it is brought to you by the Recovered Life contributors and viewers like you. So if uh, you are listening to this, you made this episode happen. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, So Friday, we're here. Yes, we are. It seems just absolutely hard to believe that we (laughs) uh, made it all the way through uh, to the Friday. Oh, I think we just... uh, had a little technical glitch there. Sorry. Uh, we made it all the way through to uh, Friday. And Christina and I were talking about this episode and what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, we have a bunch of interesting stuff. We have two segments today. They're going to be absolutely great. It's going to be really, really good. We always do TGIF sober yes. at the second part of the show. But for uh, episode 78, we wanted to start it out. Uh, with this very interesting Wall Street Journal article, isn't it? That Christina found. Uh, Christina, it's actually it's saying what everybody in the recovery community is talking about. Totally. Uh, without, but no one really says it. So t- set set this up a little. Sure, bit, sure. What this so article is about. It is out of the Wall Street Journal, and the the premise, the the lens of it is the business part of recovery, and we know there's a lot of money in recovery rehabs you know, counseling, all the different things. But this is a new phenomenon. We talked about this this week um, about gray area drinkers. And there are a lot of for-profit programs coming out. And it's designed for the gray area drinker. And I think it's probably designed more for somebody who doesn't want to call themselves an alcoholic, but needs to stop drinking. Uh, of course, at the beginning of the article, they talk about how drinking has has come up, which we share about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, the numbers are skyrocketing. And generally, most of the programs are geared toward women. And for that reason, I guess they feel like it's a safer space for them to come. They're all online. Uh, they're, I'm assuming, good programs because I actually know people who have gotten sober this way. And they're not necessarily what I love about this this article is it doesn't necessarily be uh, despairing to AA, but the main difference is that a lot of people are attracted to this program because of the label alcoholic. They do not want to be called alcoholics, but they are in fact getting sober. And some of the programs allow for moderation. And I think you and I had this conversation maybe in dry January. You know, mm-hmm. if you drank the way I drank, there was no no such word as moderation. Don't you agree? Okay. Well, yes, I know. <laughs> I totally agree. And I have to tell you, I uh, when you wanted to do this article, when you wanted uh-huh. to talk about this article, and I started to read it, I was like, "Wow, there's a huge business in getting sober." Totally. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people have problems with this. Yeah. Is that um, you know there may be 
this whole idea of telling people that they're not alcoholic, but they're drinking themselves to death. Yes. Um, I find that curious. Ultimately, like I I'm a little jaded, I think I'm going to be honest with you. And for those of you guys on the, uh, watching us on YouTube, uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, Twitter, or now Instagram TV, we just added Instagram yes. TV today to our live stream. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're watching us there, uh, I want to let you know that, uh, that I brought this up on, uh, the screen here so you could actually see the article and, and I'm going to put a link here so everybody can, uh, can actually uh, see this and read it for themselves. But I, ha I have to tell you, like, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yes. Let me tell you what I do like about this, Christina, what, okay. what, you, what you brought up, is I like the whole awareness thing yes. that people might have a problem because it slows people down. It stops people from killing themselves. Sure. Let's be honest. Right? And that matters. It, right. it matters. It does it matter. Matters. It does matter. Now, the whole thing about this gray area drinking, we've talked about this crossing the line, <laughs> right. not crossing the line. You know, this is kind of a mysterious thing. And I think people know if they have. Right. Uh, for the most part. I mean, I guess, do, do you think that you there's still people out there that feel like, oh, like well, they maybe can't be honest with themselves? Like, hey, truly across the line, alcohol is not good for me. Right. And I think people are surprised. We talked about this with dry January. Sometimes they're really surprised at how much the alcohol calls to them. So yeah. I agree with you. It's nice to have these kind of programs available and uh, and uh, to people and to allow them to start exploring the conversation. And it appears in many of the groups, they talked about the naked man, or naked man, naked mind. <laughs> they talked about- Naked the, men and naked mind. Yeah, naked mind. And we are the luckiest and temptest. And it's very, very interesting because it appears to me to kind of mimic AA in regards to the support group and the support mm -hmm. of the groups. So I, I have to say, I don't, I mean, somebody who gets sober through the Temptus or another program, great. I, I, I don't think that yeah. AA has the cornerstone, but I'm curious, you know, why uh, in some of the groups, and in fact, I read one of the books, she was pretty, pretty rough on AA. And I felt like maybe she didn't investigate it enough because to me, it seemed like she was saying exactly the things that I needed to learn in AA. But they, exactly. they take a scientific approach, which can be really helpful. It takes away the shame. But, and I believe, I should say though, shaming the word alcoholic seems to be, uh, I don't know, counterintuitive. If all are accepted, then I don't understand why, you know, in one of the, in one of the rooms, uh, the Temptus rooms, there was a lot of hate being thrown at AA. And I was really surprised. I was also surprised. Well, I will, I will tell you, I will tell you why I think that is. Okay. And th this is my personal opinion. Um, and, you know, being involved with 12 step groups, uh, I, I think sometimes the, you know, and we, we won't name them, but the, you know, Orange County has one of these groups <laughs> uh, that, that is, you know, um, kind of a cult of personality a lot. Sure. And, and I think that um, I think 12 step could be different where you're at. Right. Like, true. I think 12 step is a little different where you're at. Now, the principles aren't the, the 12 step and origin aren't, but the personalities behind it. And I think when you have something that's more centrally located, centrally uh, administered. Okay? OK, which 12 step is not like no. a lot of these a lot of these, uh, you know, we talk a little bit about ACOA. We talk about A. Yes. We talk about all these other different things, right? 
Um, they're not. It's not necessarily. There are some principles coming, but it's not as organized in that way. These groups are organized in that way, and they're yes. coming from a person. So I think that, and I also think that um, this whole stigma of an alcoholic. I, look, I mean, I just went through it last weekend. Really? Where a lot of people were drinking, and I still have that. I think I have it because I'm a Gen Xer. Okay. Christina, like, I think I have it because I'm a Gen Xer. And right. I think our generation still has, it's like, oh, why don't you drink? Oh, I'm in recovery or whatever. True. Um, not that I've ever really gotten, I've only ever really gotten someone really giving me a hard time that was, had an addiction problem. There you go. They didn't like seeing yeah. the mirror and that, yeah, it's totally. always people that have addiction problems that do it. Now, in early recovery, that messed me up. Now it doesn't. I just, no. I don't even care. About it's it, interesting I mean? that you say that because there, there is a woman that they interview in this article where she talks about, to me, an alcoholic was somebody who had lost their job, their home, yeah. their family, and was living on the streets. And I still believe this as an interventionist, that that hurts us, that there are many, many more people would uh, decide not to drink if they didn't have to have the shame attached to it, you know, and many people would have gotten help a lot sooner if we didn't as a country, and I'm not sure how it is in other parts of the world, but in this country, if we didn't have the shame attached to the fact that, you know, it is very, very, very bad for me to consume alcohol. And well, so I really wish thing, that though. would change. Here's the, here's the thing. When we talk about gray area drinking, mm -hmm. we talk about gray area drinking. I think it really kind of falls into two camps, right? Okay. There's, a, there's this. I do believe personally, as someone who is an alcoholic, recovered alcoholic, I do believe that there are people who have addiction issues, right. which is a medical issue. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Addiction issues. And they have an addiction issue. They treat that medical issue. They become not addicted to painkillers. Yeah. Or, or whatever it is. Right. Yes. Oh, we th I threw my back out. I got addicted to a painkiller and now, uh, and now I've gotten off that painkiller. Can I not go have, uh, a beer or something at a Christmas yes. party? Right. Yes. I do. I've met those people. Like I know people who are like that. Right. Like, right. and so to say, to say that, uh, everybody that has an addiction issue in their life, Mm -hmm. Maybe you're addicted to food. Maybe you're addicted to people. Look, you're a codependency coach. Exactly. There are people addicted to people that still use people. There's addicted to food that still eat food. So True. there are people who there are people who just have addiction issues. They clean up. It's yes. over. Their life uh -huh. goes on. I always say this is like the alcoholics and drug addicts and really hardcore codependents and people who have gambling problems. When they get sober, that's when the hard part starts. That's when everything falls apart when they get sober. Exactly. Like there might be a lot of wreckage around the medical side of it. And they have the medical side too, right? We had the medical right. side too. Right. But it's when they get sober, when they stop using it, that's when everything falls apart. I think Absolutely. that's really what makes you an alcoholic versus a non-alcoholic. I think that's one of those elements. It's so true. I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm going to think about that a little bit longer. I, um, I, when I first heard this, I have to be honest, I was a little cynical and I was confused. Why would you pay money when you can go to AA for free? And since then, I've started to pull back because there also are groups that are not for profit um, and I don't have any ill will. They, you know, they are obviously providing a service that people want and yeah. are using. So everybody wins in this situation. But my original thought was, wow, you, you pay for this. This is surprising to me. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. And then and then obviously I'm a coach. So I've had to kind of really figure out how I stand on this issue and what works. And I realize sometimes people need more. In AA, it literally says, of this we know very little. You know, page 164 in the big book talks about you will need more support. You will need more uh, more investigation. And so I don't know. I mean, I'm grateful that they're having the conversation. I'm yeah. also a little surprised that I didn't even know that it was happening. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today, because in the recovery world, it's big. Well, I'll tell you this here. Here is one of the things for for, you know, that I think is 100 percent about this. And and one of the things about AA, no AA, um, I have never heard, Christina, the amount of talk about uh, about AA or no AA in my whole recovery over me, decades. Me neither. Th this is a this is a pivotal time for twelve steps. And you know me, I, I just use the word AA. I on episodes I don't. I don't yes, use words no, no. because and people ask why because people get I come from that generation where it's not to be named. Okay, True. now I, I don't really think it ever said. And I'm going to get some uh, look. I'm going to get some big I know. numbers that are going to just hit this thread. I'm going to say Damon and paragraph five, whatever, yeah. and Bill's yes. first book or his note <laughs> when he put on a gum wrapper. So he true. said whatever, but you know you have to look <laughs> at it for today. First, you know, and I've and I've gotten by the way. I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna share a little bit about my personal okay. information, my personal story uh -oh. with twelve step groups. When I started going outside of twelve step groups, uh, and when I started recovered life, mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I've been really honest with you. When I started Recovered Life, I got attacked. Yes, I by understand. By some hardcore people that even had less time than I did, but were entrenched like I was in these 12-step groups. And I found it very culty. I'm, I'm going to tell you. I found you it go. very, I found it, uh, I find uh, some of these things. And you know what? And I got pegged. I got labeled. Uh -oh. I got tokenized as somebody who hated 12-step groups. Which you don't, obviously. Oh my God, no! Like no, anyone who I'm, knows me, I don't love do it. that. I got it the other day from a friend that says, "Oh, this guy won't talk to you anymore." Who was I was really close to? He's like because he thinks that you hate twelve step groups, and no. I'm like, "What? You got to be kidding me!" Does he watch the show? <laughs> he I, right? I, I, exactly. You know, That's like I'm a out. huge, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of that, and it's, it totally saved my ass several decades ago. So. But I think you have. I think you do have that. I think it's starting to split into two camps, and I think uh, I'm noticing it in my in my private peer groups. Wow! When we have like groups of five, fellowship of five to ten people, which we some of us can only do online. Yes. Over half of the conversation was maybe it's gone. Maybe this will never wow. come back. Right. I hope not. I hope not. My home group has stayed intact, but it's not. It's certainly I think that the big, huge meetings that, you know, specifically the one that was in Orange County, it has, uh, you know, stopped. And I think I've shared this before. My husband attended a very large meeting, 100 people, you know, seven days a week. It was one of those standard meetings. And now it's down to 15, 20. So I'm grateful that these programs are out there for people. I think it's still an entry point. And I still believe strongly that if you are going to stay sober, you have mm -hmm. to have a spiritual awakening, whatever that's called. And what I noticed in the people, I have very good friends that attend the Luckiest Club. 
um, that, that got sober in a group together that was designed to stop the madness, you know, uh, they, um, I, I mean, they love it. They're getting the support they need and that works. But I also see them in rooms and clubhouse and getting more. So in that way, I'm not really sure it's that different than AA. It just is a total yeah. shift in perspective. Well, right? I'll tell you where I think it is different. And I think this is the dangerous part. I'm always the nervous Nancy about this. Yes. This is a dangerous part that I see about some of these things that were mentioned in the Wall Street Journal article. And, you know, uh, I thought I thought that, you know, I think her name is Ann Turgeson did a great job in this, but yes. I think that I, I, I think, and I don't know if she's in the, I don't think it said if she was sober or not. Sober. It didn't. No, but she didn't I say. will tell you the dangerous thing about this is telling alcoholics that they can drink uh, like non-alcoholics, I, I, I think is, look, do we have this about strawberries? Do we have no. partial clubs? No, exactly. Like, well, peanut I, butter. I'm kind of allergic to peanut butter. Yeah. So but I can spoon still eat peanut, like, you know, like I, you know, this is what makes me think like, Eh, like that mm -hmm. makes me like I, I could see just people if you've ever worked with a real alcoholic and when I, mm -mm. I, I know people don't like that thing, but real with the capital R, you, you, you know, you, you can't drink. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we call it we call it doing research right in the program when somebody goes out and decides. Exactly. And, in, and it's pretty quickly understood if you drink the way that I drink that it's not going to work. It will never work again. And that's OK. And so I like you that. want to, and why right. would, and this is the, okay, this is the other thing about the thinking part of alcoholism, which these programs seem to address, right? Mm -hmm. Why would you, why would you want to? What does it do? Right. What does it yeah, do? Why would you, why would you almost die? Or it's so bad that you have to pay to go to some sort of program or rehab, True. but now all of a sudden you, you, you think, Hey, it's a great idea. I want that. That's alcoholic in nature. If you ask me. Well, and it's and it's miserable. I do belong to a food program that is the 12 step variety. And one thing that I learned through this food program was, you know, as you said, we still eat food was that sugar is a huge no no for me. And because I was abstinent from sugar, the you know, the idea of having a cookie sounded like it was okay. And I don't demonize food. I don't think it's a moral issue whatsoever, just like alcohol. But I remember having one cookie. And because of my sugar addiction, I wanted 10, not just one or 20. And I remember the pain of not having it. And I had to recognize that once I ingested that sugar, immediately I wanted more and it's incredibly painful. So it's just better for me, for my nervous system, not to partake at all. It's well, not I had that a rough I... week, Christine. I had four cookies yesterday oh. and they were a big one. They were the big shout out to not a, not a sponsor, but shout out to the Costco chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> oh, they have good bakeries. Yesterday. They do. They do. But no, I get what bakeries. I get what you're saying. And I think the thing that I don't like about this and, you know, and I know I've got, look, I already, I'm looking right now on the live stream. There's people from Greece actually that are going in oh, in their comments. Like, hi. so shout out to everybody that's listening there. But I, I, I have to tell you, um, there's going to be comments on this. Uh, it's the same thing when we did that. Remember the Stacey Danford episode? Yes. That I did about character defects. I got yes. a lot of that too. But <laughs> I thought, you know, as being as a hardcore old school guy as I am, yes, I, I agreed with that. Like the character defects weren't good. So I do think there Hate are other people. I think there are good. So let, let's sum this up here as we as okay. we get to the end of this segment here. I, I, I personally believe, and I want to hear what you that that my data of just me just being living. 
yes. and seeing this for a while. I do believe that there's a large group of people out there that are gray drinkers. They haven't maybe crossed the line. Maybe they right. have. They're, mm -hmm. they're somewhere on the line, right? Uh, they're definitely drinking or using drugs alcoholically. Mm -hmm. Um but they maybe don't have all of those components and this True. maybe pulls them back. Yes. But I'm going to put the giant BUT in there. <laughs> uh, but I, I think those people uh, could cross the line uh, 15 days, five days, a year after going right. to some of these programs. Right. Yes. Like, so that that's the thing that I find. Uh, and they didn't really get the message that, Hey, you can't drink socially. Right. And and ultimately what it comes down to, which is one of the one of the main reasons Recover Life here is that alcohol is dangerous. You know, it is a very volatile substance for our brain, for our physicality, for our nervous system. And it's a mechanism that will uh, grow the more you drink. And so I think if that's the message, you know, that's being sent out, good because I do want that. And whatever works for you, I wanna make sure I'm clear on this, whatever works for you, works for you. And I'm happy that you're finding it, however you need to. But most important, if alcohol has affected your life negatively, then get some support, get some help, put it down. Great segment, this is a great segment. Thanks so much for finding that article. You're welcome. Really, I think, you know, this might help some people that are listening that are on that gray area. I mean, I think, you know, that final message thought here you know, to end the segment is, is that, you know, um, if you don't want to admit that you are an alcoholic, right. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that's really getting you. Yes. And, and a program like this helps you uh, go for it. Yeah. Go, go for, for it. it. Go mm -hmm. for it. If it helps, if it helps during that transition to help figure it out and you're really, really stuck on that. I know I was really stuck on that. You were. I, I didn't want to, Oh my God, huge. Like I was, I was in my twenties. I didn't want to, that meant the end of my world. Right. Like I sure. did not, Christina, I did not want to be that guy. Right. Mm. I just didn't. I didn't either. And then, um, and then eventually there was no way weighing the pros and cons that that for me in the way I drank that I wasn't that girl. Mm -hmm. I absolutely was. So because we're having such a great conversation, I want to tell all the people that are watching how to support the show. Make sure you like, Please, follow yes. and share so that we can add more people to this conversation. This show is for you. And it's based on what we think you want to hear, but leave a comment and let us know what kind of subject you'd like to talk about. Also, what you think about it. We want to continue to promote this conversation. And if you are not a member of the Recovered Life Network, make sure you join. It's completely free for anybody who's interested in recovery or in recovery. You know, sober curious, completely welcomed. It's at... Uh, recoveredlife.us because the U.S. stands for us. So make sure you join the conversation and support us so we can continue to do these kinds of episodes. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Christina. Really, uh, you know, like I said at the very beginning, it's brought to you, the show is brought to you by uh, the Recovered Life contributors and listeners like you. Yes. And it's true because uh, by liking, sharing, and following the show, even if you're on a podcast, look, if you're on, if you're on uh, any of the streaming services and you're listening to this in audio, just reaching out and hitting that like uh, button, you know, making a small comment. Hey, I like the show, passing it to a friend. It really helps us because we're able to get the message out. And just like what we were saying, Christina, about these people who are gray area drinkers, somebody might not feel even comfortable going to a group 
like was mentioned in the Wall Street Journal article, yes. they might only listen to the show. That might be their only avenue of recovery. And right. we want to give people solutions and options. We sure do. We sure do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that. So as we go out of this segment after the break, we're going to come back. We have got a TGIF sober, which we do every Friday. So after the break, uh, we will see you there. Hold on for this small little transition. We're coming back with TGIF sober. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. That's cool. And we are back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Uh, Christina Dennis, great episode so far. We talked about gray area drinking. Truly. We talked about uh, now we're going to TGIF Sober, which we do every Friday, which is actually uh, my favorite segment of the show. It is. Yeah. Even though I work on the weekends, there's something about Friday. I'm an empathetic right. person and I'm sensitive and in, in the, you know, the universe, almost everybody, we know the kids don't go to school and most people do get the weekends off. Some do, I guess I should say, I'm not sure exactly, but it feels better and lighter. So I love Fridays too. Well, you know what? It's interesting is Fridays give me, I'm a weekend worker too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm a, uh, w- what do they call a binge? I'm a binge worker. <laughs> you are. Term. I am. You are. Like I've realized that I'm somebody who likes to work in these like spurts where it's like, oh, five days, six days, yes. 14 days straight. Right. I, 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 I work alcoholically, I guess. Yeah. I'm a little bit. Uh, I would say yeah, it's the person but, who receives yeah. the texts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you for taking those texts, by the way. But you know, one of the things I'm going to, I'm going to tell you is like, you know, coming back from this is that, uh, you know, when I look at Fridays now, I'm looking at recovered life. And yes. saying as far as we've gotten, you know, we started a couple of weeks ago saying we we're going to do several shows a week. Yes. And I think we got two or three out that first week. And then we had two. We had a holiday this week. That's which right. We, thank God took off. Right. Mm-hmm. It was good. And I we love doing the show, but it's a lot of work. Right. It's a it lot is. of work. It is. So uh, plus the Recovered Life community. And we've got all these clubhouse rooms that we do. They're so good. On recovery and all the contributors that help us and amazing it's- I love uh, it. But I look back and I look at Christina, I'm like going, wow, two weeks. We've gone from doing an episode, a pre-recorded episode to now going live. I know. And having all of these guys, we got a lot of stuff, you know. So if you're not liking, following, and share us, do that because we got a lot of contributors coming up, a lot of great interviews in the in the next uh 30 sure days. Do. It's gonna be amazing. Sure but I look back and I say, wow, you know what? Sometimes you have to just appreciate the fact that one, you're able to make it through. And two, look at everything that we've accomplished. It's amazing. And it is it is a heart project for me. I know it's a heart project for you too. And uh, being able to kind of visit that on Friday. One of the things that's super important is that, you know, we look at the progress. And this goes to everyone who's watching, everybody. So often the goal, which is a dopamine, you know, based uh, kind of work, uh, once we hit the goal, we can kind of like, oh, okay, what do I do next? Because that dopamine is gone. But when you track your progress, it's called the progress principle. You can get it on a TED Talk if you want to look at it. When you track your progress, that's actually what promotes happiness, is looking at how far you've come. So I'm glad that we're doing it live on on the the show because that's we're showing people this is what you do and we want people to grow with yes. us and see yes. the transition and the transformation. 
Well, this week we had a lot of transformation. I have to tell you, Monday I was I was out. Monday you did the Monday show. I did uh, on Clubhouse, and you know, let me mention this real quick before you go into what we talked about Monday. Okay, but anybody who does not know clubhouse a social audio app we're very big there recovered life so cool uh, we've got four shows a week at mm -hmm. 9 a.m mm -hmm. uh that christine and i split off and 9 a.m pacific. pacific make sure you tell them. Right. <laughs> 9 a.m pacific and i'm gonna get a graphic for that next week so we can okay have that. So okay show up. but all you have to do is actually go into clubhouse and hit uh the recovered life and it, it will come up it and will you can join and get notified when we do these but Every week, every day, pretty much, we have these. And Monday, we do something called uh, This Week in Recovered Life, right. which is the opposite of TGIF Sober. It is. is we uh, started up. Yeah. We do. And this Monday, we did our intentions. And it was so amazing to listen to other people share their intentions because I was like, oh, yeah, I want to add that too. Oh, yeah, I want to do that as well. And being able to sit down in that Monday room, and you usually bring some good topics. I wasn't as great a host as you usually are. But Monday, oh, come on. You awesome. <laughs> Monday, like, thank God Christina's here. <laughs> so we did sit, we did sit down and think about our intentions. And so often, this is not a practice that we take. You know, we don't think about it. I mean, you know, at least I should say I didn't think about it. Whenever I was in crisis or busy, 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 I never sat down and said, okay, what do I want to do this week that has something to do with me? I think that I asked people to share something that they're going to do for themselves this week that's for fun and for free. Mm -hmm. I borrowed that from my, you know, Al-Anon group. And very difficult to think about that. If you have been going, going, going like me, how do you think about something to do that doesn't and isn't attached to productivity? But oh, that, I like that. That's where our lives are. That's what I we like really that enjoy. And the transactional thing. It's a we're going to do a show about that. Mm -hmm. uh, re transactional relationships, right? So true. So like true. everything. Like I don't have a relationship unless it's transactional. Right. And the doing, doing, doing. I love that. So, what were some of the intentions that people had? Um, to sit, to sit and meditate on certain days. One person wow. said, I'm going to work on my art this week. One person said, I'm going to have that conversation with that loved one that mm. I'm not, you know, that I've been putting off. Another person said, you know, I'm going to sit outside in the sun in between my breaks. You know, we, we talked a lot about boundaries too, which I know is our Wednesday room, but we talked about how now that many people are online, they don't have as good of boundaries because it's so easy. And I find myself doing that too, where I have a break between a session, I have 30 minutes, I'll schedule a new call because I don't have that physical boundary any longer. And oh, I can fit this in but we're depleting ourselves without them. And so a lot of, a lot of conversations about that. Well, after the pandemic, finally, Christina, I, I, I could say that, you know, what, three weeks ago, I finally made my dedicated space. Yes. Right. That I could walk in and out of. Yes. And I've been taking my iPad and doing it. So I've been applying some of that stuff that you talked about in that room. Good. And I will tell you, it does, it helps quite a bit. It helps so much. It helps so much. And yeah, and there were some people sharing some really big stuff and and we celebrated everybody's intentions. Little, mm. big, it didn't matter because starting off your Monday, your work week, let's say if you are somebody coming back to work with, an, uh, with yourself first is not the normal way. We usually start off with what are my to-dos? What do, you know, what do I want to get accomplished? And then there's this little tiny thing that will erode about how I take care of myself. Well, I love this whole self-care thing on, on Mondays. That is, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I like this week in recovered life because I found throughout my recovery and life, 
is that just setting this intention at the beginning of the week, it's like, hey, you know what? This is possible this week. Absolutely. I always, you know, I go the other way, though. You know, I do. I always, it's like, well, I didn't get enough. I have this beautiful. And then I surpass it and go, well, I could have maybe done more. Oh, yeah. I, my goal wasn't good enough. I know. My goal wasn't good enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because well, I killed it. <laughs> Well, Tuesday, and I was in this partially. I was traveling back uh, from from a trip that I had on on uh, on Tuesday. And shout out to everybody that I met in Kansas City. Yeah, amazing. City. I was unable to go to a, a a meeting there, but I wanted to try to maybe hook up with some recovery people. But mm-hmm. I just I just didn't have time because I had a family commitment. But uh, shout out to everybody in Kansas City. I know if you're listening, a big big recovery community there. Yep. Um, but. Tuesday, you had the brain room and yes. I, 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 this is my favorite, by the way, if, if only recovered life just ended up producing uh-huh. that Tuesday room, I, I would think it would be a success. It is, it is because neuroscience and all of these new thoughts, this thought work, we have so many amazing contributors and leaders and we get to really discuss and having the insight about why our brain does what it does and hearing other people having the same tricky brain, you know, that brain that isn't made to make us happy. We start to realize, Oh my gosh, I can take, I can take uh, autonomy with myself and I can take agency with my thoughts. And today's Tuesday's room, we started the Brene Brown Atlas of the heart. Have you picked that up yet? No, I have to tell me about it. Okay, so it's coming, it came out on February 14th, I think, you know, great day to launch a book about the heart. And the entire chapter, the first, the introduction is is about how we have to learn how to label, distinguish, and define all of the different emotions that we're having. And, you know, I, I remember being in rooms that said feelings aren't facts, but they sure are when it comes to how you're going to make your next decision right? And how you feel. And she did this amazing thing, which I was able to uh, to go and share with this group and other people. I mean, if you're reading Atlas of the Heart, come to the Tuesday room, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, because we're going to pull every chapter apart. I asked the group if this is something they really want to do again, and they said yes. And um, th- we went through everything, anger, uh, we went through anxiety, we defined anxiety, we went through fear, um, overwhelm and stressed. And mm, she really, spread, yeah, she took research and one of Brene's wonderful gifts is the fact that she takes maybe some very, very heavy research and really boils it down to understand. And through that first chapter, this is just the first chapter, and I only gave the highlights, I started to recognize it's important to know, am I in anxiety? Or am I in fear and how they both work? And one, so two things that she brought up that I want to share is that both anxiety and fear can be state or trait in yourself. And believe me, these, these anxiety, there isn't a general anxiety disorder that is not the same. But if you're having anxiety, it can be the state. The, the situation that you're in, right? It can be, you know, whatever you have to overcome and it's giving you anxiety. Or it can be a trait, which is you have a predisposition or perpetual, you know, anxiety that works in your life. The difference between that and generalized anxiety disorder is the length of time. Generalized anxiety disorder has to have lasted for six months and that affects all kinds of things. The other statistic that came out was 33% of Americans have general anxiety disorder. And only half of those 33% 
get help for it. That blew my mind. I mean, how See, I many love of this. Us? I love yeah. this. And this is why we did the recovered life is to have this deeper do conversation it. about stuff. And I, I have to, I have to tell you like so much and I, and I don't even, you know, what's interesting. I used to say thinking problem, mm -hmm. but I don't know if everything about addiction is a thing. Cause Thursday we had a room, which I want to talk about, about mm -hmm. self-confidence mm -hmm. uh, with unstuck. And some of the things that, that, that people with addiction issues have people in recovery have are very positive, like they're positive traits, right? Like we're, you know, typically as a lot, like as a group of people, if we're going to generalize good people, uh, very successful. Yes. Like we can we know how to go deep. Yeah. Hardworking. We know how to go deep. We know how to like, we love a lot. We, mm -hmm. you know, we care a lot. Like, so there's a lot of really good things, but I will tell you like the whole neuro pattern thing. And I've learned not to call it a problem from that room. Right. This whole neuro pattern thing and the thinking thing and what you're talking about here on this in the in the Tuesday room, I think is the is the key that unlocks the door True. to a way deeper experience in recovery. Absolutely. And finding out we're not broken, finding out how our brain works and why, you know, there is is a, is a highway of negative thoughts and a gravel road of positive thoughts. And it's the way we're set up. Right. And, and finding that out, people can quit pathologizing themselves for having a, a brain that does that because everybody's brain does that. And I just I really love the space that we've created there. And I hope people will join me this Tuesday, because we're going to talk about the next chapter. And guess what it's about? Resentment. resentment oh, wow. That's going to be anger. good. Yes, it's, it's going to be, be really good. good. And really I like good. Renee Brown. I mean, I think that that's, I think that that is, uh, I, you know, I think that has value. So guys, you could, you could definitely join that. Uh, a, a way to do that, I'm just going to put a little plug in here is to go to recoveredlife.us. And mm -hmm. right at the beginning, you can join our private community. Yes. Uh, membership is 100% free, so you don't have to worry about that. You could just come in and you're going to get access to people like Christina, myself, other Recovered Life contributors on everything. Like, uh, you know, I was looking at the notes on Recovered Life about your Wednesday yes. clubhouse, which I want to talk about now because this whole codependency thing, this setting boundaries, this whole thing is really, you know, I, t I talked about the thinking about mm -hmm. the key and the lock, but I think that this is the black belt. Mm -hmm. This whole ACOA, this whole uh, codependency thing, I think this is the black belt of the recovery I would agree. movement. I know? would agree. It's deeper, deeper. You yeah. know, there's triage about putting down the drink, but then there's all this work because there was a reason why we drank. You know, <laughs> there were a lot of reasons why we drank. And alcohol has to go away when it's no longer our solution, but we still have the living problem. And with codependency recovery, it's all about relationships. And, um, you know, I know, like Tony Robbins says, it's uh, it's really easy to be spiritual in the cave. You know, the problem is, is when you actually have to start interacting with others. Right. Exactly. exactly <laughs> and so right. this, this kind of recovery moving toward it really, really helps us enjoy our relationships and for yep. promoting self-love. And Wednesday's room was awesome. We had a, uh, a coach. Her name is Alana Sanborn. And she came in and we had a really great discussion about how you start to love yourself and how you recognize, you know, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist and how you move away from it. And people, that room is so beautiful. It's called Setting Healthy Boundaries. And I think we could talk about that every week for the rest of our lives because so much of our recovery is around that type of living. 
And if you suspect you're a codependent, chances are you are. In fact, I will go out and say that I've met a lot of codependents who don't have alcohol problems, but I've never met an alcoholic who doesn't have a codependent behavioral right. pattern. And, and we were taught this, codependents are made. And so in the ACOA stuff, we can go on and on about that, but that's a beautiful program about cleaning up your history and breaking those belief systems that you probably picked up as an early child. So much of some of our belief systems are pre-verbal. And I think that's an important discussion to have as well. So this is so interesting because I think never before in the history of recovery mm -hmm. have we been able to have uh, this ongoing deep discussion. Right. You know, and not just about recovery, about just overall health and wellness. True. I think it's just it's just amazing, you know, and um, I'm going to come back to that. I always go, you know, I always go to your room on Wednesday. I know. I love Thank it. you. I'm, I'm always in the audience listening and, and, and you've got such great guests on Thursday. I had a room. Uh, I, you know, I have this room about being unstuck mm -hmm. and this is great. And um, I, I love this room. And because of my little COVID uh, situation, I had missed it. Yes. One way, like it, it's been, it's been crazy, but we had a lot of people on clubhouse on Thursday. Of course. Of course. And it was great. And you know, the topic was all about, uh, do about lacking self-confidence right. or how to get self-confidence in especially early recovery. We focused just in general, but mm -hmm. we also talked about early recovery because a lot of people come in, just beat well, and they used to be the top of the world, feel that they could do anything, but now don't feel that they could even get up and brush their teeth. Well, there's a reason why they call it liquid courage, right? Yes, I mean, right? there's a reason why we say that. And absolutely, confidence was a huge problem for me. And one area, my work area, I was pretty confident. Surprising. In all of the other areas, I had no idea who I was when I stopped drinking. I had no idea if I had value. I didn't even know how to access that. So I couldn't make the Thursday room, but I love the topic. And I'm well, glad yeah, that you I had talked it. a lot about some of the coaching that I do about finding your world-class skill, uh -huh. how to find this world-class skill and to hold on to that. And also how to be right-sized in it and about what is, what is healthy self-confidence as opposed to non-healthy self-confidence, right? Because so there's true. both, you know, you could be self-confident your way right into a relapse. Totally. Um, and a lot of people do that. They, they, they try back on an unhealthy self-confidence, right? Which we call willpower a lot. In the <laughs> group, right. Yes. Also known as willpower. Yeah. And they say, well, you know, I've been sober for two weeks and you know, Hey, it's cool. Feeling good. And, and then they're out, you know what yep. I mean? And a month later they're figuring out what happened, but it was right. interesting on recovered life. Uh, I took a poll when we did it and it's been up for uh, less than 24 hours. And it says, do you lack self-confidence? It was interesting. 83% says sometimes 0% said no. Wow. 16% said yes. So it's like, uh, it's interesting. And I maybe could have phrased that differently. Like yes. do you have ongoing thoughts of self-confidence? Yeah. Uh, but 83% of the people that are in there basically are saying like, Hey, yeah, uh, self-confidence yeah. is an issue for me. So it was good. We talked about tools and people shared what worked for them. Wow. And I think that that's such the great part of it, you know, and guys, if you're not member, if you're not, if you're not members of the private community, you got to do that because, do it. Mm -hmm. uh, the great thing about it is your boss isn't going to be on there. Your, you know, mm -mm. your aunt's not going to be on there. Your mom's not gonna be, you know, it's going to be a place just for you. We talk recovery and, um, 
I've met so many friends through that. It's, I love it. I love the community. And, you know, we all had to kind of get forced into this, right? With COVID, we've talked about how it affected our support groups. And it is incredibly uh, fun to meet people. I met somebody uh, in real life who's from Maine because of the community. I met her Friday night. And that is one of the byproducts of all of that that I never, ever anticipated. But it's a lot of fun. So this has been a great, this has been a great episode. We're yes. going to wind this down. Happy I know Friday. we've got a, yeah, you know, episode 78 guys. I think the big takeaway is the recovered life show is rolling. So guys like share, follow, join Please. us. Uh, thank you so much. You guys and comment. have a great weekend and comment. Yeah. And comment So we know and what you're thinking. Us. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you guys. Episode 78 in the can. Bye See you guys next week. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.